This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. Hi, and a very good afternoon to you, and welcome. Lovely to be in your company again. Um, beautiful to be back here in the uh, land of Joburg with the most beautiful, beautiful weather that we're having at the moment. And, of course, coming to you live from Chai FM today from our studios here in Joburg. 101.9, Judaism 101.9, great to be with you. Tonight and tomorrow is actually a very, very fascinating day in the Jewish calendar. So if you're going to look at your calendars, you're going to see that tonight, tomorrow, tomorrow night and the next day is Rosh Chodesh. So why is this Rosh Chodesh different from every other Rosh Chodesh? What is remarkable about this Rosh Chodesh from all the others? Well, if we take a look at the Jewish calendar and we see the structure of the months in a Jewish calendar, every month is, of course, linked to the name month, meaning from the moon. It is linked to the moon, and the phases of the moon um, dictate the Jewish calendar months. So that makes for a very, very interesting poser that we have, and that is that a calendar month, according to the moon, is a 29, let's call it a half day, 29 and a half, 29.5 days, plus or minus, and um, the calendar needs to try and compensate somehow for half a day. We know that our Jewish dates begin only in the evening, and therefore, Compensating for a half day, it makes sense that if we put two months together, one of 29 days and one of 30 days, that we actually have there the 58 days that are together in um, <coughs> the uh, two months of 29 days plus the one of the 30 days makes 59 days. We've then got the 29 and a half days covered for two months. Now, that would then make sense that we have a calendar that runs on that cycle, 29 days, 30 days, 29 days, 30 days, and every two months, everything lines up just perfectly. The problem is that we all know that from time to time the Jewish year runs short. What does that mean? If we only go according to the months of the year, <clears throat> you will know that if we have six months of 29 days and six months of 30 days, that we will be 11 days short of a solar year. And the Torah tells us that Pesach has to be in the spring in Israel, which means it's dictated by the sun, which then brings into play the solar calendar, which has an overlay and has an interaction with the lunar calendar. Now, that all sounds fine until we get to the point that we have to somehow get these calendars eventually to align. And in fact, it is a 19-year cycle within which the calendars absolutely align. So if you were to take a Jewish date and a secular date, a non-Jewish date, and look at them together, the next time that they will be those exact dates together will be in 19 years' time. It works on a 19-year cycle. And because of this 19-year cycle, we have to make sure that the calendars are absolutely perfect. And there is another um, important factor that has to be taken into account, and that is that the festivals, the Chagim, our Jewish festivals can only occur on certain days of the week. Not all seven days of the week are available for all our Chagim. And we learn that, of course, from Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur cannot occur on a Sunday, it cannot occur on a Tuesday, and it cannot occur on a Friday. And it all goes back to the time of creation when Hashem created the world. He made different things on different days of the week. All the things that could ever um, attain any form of impurity were created on Sunday, on Tuesday, and on Friday. And therefore, it was de deemed unfit 
to have Yom Kippur, the day of purity, on those days on which the semblance of impurity was even created. And so therefore, Yom Kippur cannot be on a Sunday, on a Tuesday, on a Friday. And with it, of course, go all the other festivals which hunt in a pack, which move together through the month of Tishrei. And amazingly, they're even linked with Pesach and Shavuot, all the other Chagim throughout the year. And therefore, in order to align this all properly, this is a very long introduction to tell you what tonight and tomorrow is all about. Because in order to align all of this properly, there are two months in the year that can either have 29 days or 30 days. And those two months are the months of Cheshvan, the month that we're in at the moment, and Kislev. Sometimes Cheshvan and Kislev both have 29 days. Sometimes Cheshvan and Kislev are divided. The one Cheshvan has 29 days and Kislev has 30 days or vice versa. And sometimes both of them, both of them have 30 days. And we're in a year like that right now. Both Cheshvan and Kislev have 30 days this year. We also are in a leap year, which adds another 29 days for the second month of Adar. And so we're in a very long Jewish calendar year, over 380 days, in order to compensate, in order to catch things up, and in order to align all the Chagim, all the festivals with the right days of the week. So tonight and tomorrow is the 30th day of Cheshvan. The 30th day of Cheshvan doesn't always exist. If you look at most years in our calendar, there is no 30th of Cheshvan. The 30th of Cheshvan is a unique day, a unique time. Perhaps the way that we have to look at it is that not only is it Rosh Chodesh, not only is it then, tonight and tomorrow and the next day, of course, Rosh Chodesh, the beginning of a brand new month as we go into the month of light, the month of Kislev. And we think about all the beautiful, wonderful miracles that the month of Kislev has in store for us. And this year, the month of Kislev is also a 30-day month. And so, therefore, um, even uh, the last days of Hanukkah are not going to line up exactly with the dates that they usually are. It's going to end, in other words, on the second day of uh, the month of Tevet rather than on the third. We have um, an amazing setup of the uh, Jewish calendar this year, which in a way gives us that little bit of extra time. Now, you know, when you watch a sports game and they add on some extra time, it's very often in that extra time that um, the magical goal is scored. It's very often in that extra time that something dramatic and something beautiful happens. And perhaps we need to look at just a thought to share with you today that why is it that Hashem grants us this so-called extra time? We have an extra day in the month of Cheshvan. Of course, it's got to be that a Jew takes a look at any extra time as being an opportunity to do good, as being an opportunity to uh, be a little bit better, being an opportunity to make a difference in the world, being an opportunity to make a difference in our own lives and in the lives of the people around us. Surely that is the way that we as Jews need to look at the concept of extra time. There's extra time in this month. There's extra time in the next month. This is a year with added time, extra time. What is that extra time for? That in this extra time, we can do a whole lot more. We can add to what we're doing already. We can increase in our acts of kindness. We can increase in our acts of goodness. We can increase in our mitzvot. We've got a long year within which to make even more of a difference. You know, everybody talks about the fact that time flies. And what's the old saying, of course, that time flies when you're having fun? Well, time flies 
now it seems all the time, whether you're having fun or not, time seems to be passing by so fast. This is a year in which we have now extra time. And yes, we're still going to say when Pesach comes around, albeit that it is a month later, um, according to the Jewish calendar, um, because we've got the extra month of Adar, we're going to be saying that, wow, Pesach, no matter how you do it, it always comes too quickly. And we're going to be sitting on Rosh Hashanah next year and Yom Kippur and Sukkot and so on and say, what happened to the year? The year just seemed to fly by. Of course, but there is that extra time, and the extra time which we start with, actually, tonight and tomorrow, because this is the first little piece of extra time that we have in our year, is a golden opportunity for us to do a little bit better, to do a little bit more. Think about what you can do with an extra 24 hours or 25 hours that we have added to this month. We've been good so far. We've done things right so far. We've taken all the messages of the of the last month of Tishrei from Rosh Hashanah and Sukkot and Shmini Atzeret and Simchat Torah and Yom Kippur and the days of Tshuva and then the days of action that needed to follow thereafter. And we've made good. We've done well. We've got a little bit of extra time on this Rosh Chodesh, a day that is um, made even more holy by the fact that it is Rosh Chodesh. It is the beginning of a brand new month, and it's not just any Rosh Chodesh. It's the month of light. It's the month of Kislev, that already tonight we start calling it Rosh Chodesh Kislev. It takes on the hue. It takes on the nature. It's in the in the very embrace of the coming month of Kislev, which is the month in which Hanukkah occurs, and the month of light, and the month of miracles, we have that opportunity beginning from this evening. So let's utilize our time well. Let's think about the concept of Jewish time in the stricter sense of the word, in the holier sense of the word, and let's understand and um, really, really deeply contemplate what a difference we can make with this little bit of extra time. Let's hope we use it well. I'll be back with you right after this. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. Talk about um, a series that um, people have asked me personally to do over a period of time, and that is uh, to try and spell out the necessities, the needs, and the um, Jewish requirements, of course, for some of the special moments in Jewish life. So, for instance, um, today I plan to speak about bar and bat mitzvahs. What is a bar and a bat mitzvah? What's it really all about? What do you have to do to fulfill the spiritual requirements for it? Is it just an opportunity for people to have a great big party? Is it an opportunity for uh, <clears throat> kids to do things that up until now they would never have done? Is it a chance for the parents to celebrate? Is it an opportunity for um, and is it really the time when people become adults? We talk about becoming bar and bat mitzvah, that you're now an adult in the eyes of Jewish law. What does that all actually mean? Perhaps we'll begin with um, a question that I always ask young guys when they're coming to celebrate their bar mitzvahs in our shul, and that is, um, what actually makes you bar mitzvah? In other words, if you have never put on tefillin, or you've never had an aliyah to the Torah, you've never been um, at a uh, great big bar mitzvah bash, um, have you had a bar mitzvah? What is a bar mitzvah? What is the effect or what is it that affects you that changes your status from being not yet a bar mitzvah boy to being a bar mitzvah boy or not yet a bat mitzvah girl to being now a bat mitzvah? And the answer, of course, is 
for a boy turning 13, for a girl turning 12. On the day that your Jewish birthday, and let's note it's the Jewish birthday, in other words, the birthday according to the Jewish calendar, not the secular calendar, on that date that you turn 13, if you're a boy, you become Bar Mitzvah. On the day that you turn 12, if you're a girl, according to the Jewish calendar, you become Bat Mitzvah, or as some say, Bas Mitzvah, according to the Ashkenazi pronunciation, which means either the son of, Bar, son of, but really the word Bar has got more of an ownership kind of a value to it, or Bat Mitzvah, the daughter of the Mitzvah, or of Mitzvot in general. So what is this whole thing of becoming Bar and Bat Mitzvah, and why is it that it happens when you turn 13? Well, our sages noticed and uh, people have seen through various different applications and various different hints in the Torah it's w- itself that at the age of 13 for a boy and the age of 12 for a girl, there is a sense of responsibility that um, a young person of that age can take upon themselves. They can now determine the difference between right and wrong. They do know the value of something positive in action. They do know the negative value of something negative in action that you do. There is a greater maturity, let's say, um, amongst um, the feminine folk of this world, women, um, as opposed to men, um, when guys seem to mature a little bit later. And that's not to say that they don't end up as mature afterwards, but it seems that girls mature a little bit earlier. And so 12 and 13 were deemed to be the right ages for this time of responsibility. Now, what is the responsibility? At the age of 13 or the age of 12, you would hardly let your child go out and drive a motor car. You wouldn't let them get married, I hope. You wouldn't um, um, allow them or want them to go out and earn their own living or to have to run the household or do anything that a real adult is supposed to be doing. But they become responsible for mitzvot. They become responsible for their own Judaism, for their own connection to God, for their own um, advent to everything that has to do with um, our Jewish faith. And at the same time, they become full role players in Jewish life. So, for instance, a young man from the day that he turns 13, he can be counted to a quorum. He can be counted to a minion. If there were only nine people, nine guys in shul at a certain time and a boy on the eight, on the day of his bar mitzvah walks in to add and becomes the tenth. He can count for the minion, the quorum that is needed to say some of our most important prayers, including Kedusha, Kaddish, Baruch and so on. All of those things are said in the presence of a minion, only in the presence of a quorum, ten men over the age of bar mitzvah. And once he is bar mitzvah, he qualifies for all of that. So he does not have to go through any ceremony. He does not have to go through any Uh, coming-of-age event. He does not have to have had an aliyah to the Torah. It is the age that dictates it. So in other words, this is something that is determined purely and absolutely by God. It is absolutely determined by the um, accident or the moment of your birth. And now 13 years later to the day, you become bar mitzvah, 12 years later to the day, if it's a girl, bat mitzvah. What we do, though, in order to highlight the date is that various different things are done in order to make it well understood and to um, integrate it, inculcate it into the minds of our children and into the minds of the bar and bat mitzvah celebrants that this is a very, very important date in their lives. And what are the things that should be and that need to be um, put uppermost in their minds at that time is, of course, 
the mitzvah part of this important occasion, bar mitzvah and bat mitzvah. And what is a mitzvah? A mitzvah, of course, is one of the 613 precepts that we as Jews are supposed to um, do on a regular basis that connect us with God. Um, and when we think about it in terms of mitzvah in this uh, sense, um, it is a mitzvah that represents all the other mitzvot. So it's mitzvah in the plural sense rather than just mitzvah in the singular sense. There is not just one mitzvah for a bar mitzvah girl, for a bar mitzvah boy and a bat mitzvah girl. There is a whole series of different mitzvot that we become um, um, that become incumbent upon us, that we become responsible for, that we, that it become a right, a duty, and a privilege to be able to fulfil um, from the time that a boy turns thirteen, from the time that a girl turns twelve. So you become the bar mitzvah. The bar mitzvah, as I said before, is not only the son of the mitzvah, but it also gives a semblance and understanding of ownership. The mitzvot become ours. We become connected to them as they help us to connect to God. And we try to highlight to a bar mitzvah boy the um, important mitzvot that um, he can now fulfill for the first time and that he needs to fulfill, that become obligatory upon him to fulfill. For instance, the putting on of tefillin. Putting on a tefillin, one is not obligated to do until you become bar mitzvah. It is customary to practice putting on tefillin for some time before. There are different customs. There are some who um, would even start putting on tefillin as early as a boy being 10 or 11 years old. But the major practice is that one does put on tefillin for at least one month, some say two months before the bar mitzvah. That one begins practicing how to put on the tefillin, and then by the time the bar mitzvah actually occurs at the age of 13, the child is afay with how to do it, how to strap it. It's not always that easy to get it all coordinated and right in the way that we put the tefillin on the head and on the arm, and uh, this becomes obligatory on the young man on the day of his bar mitzvah, on the day that he turns 13. In addition to that, we give the young man an aliyah to the Torah. We call him up to the Torah and we show him how to read from the Torah and how it is that men are called up to the Torah. The privilege, the honor of being called up to the Torah is not to be taken lightly. And it's an honor afforded to Jewish males over the age of bar mitzvah, over the age of 13. <coughs> and it is a privilege to be able to be called up, to be called upon to read something from the Torah. We give him that kind of a privilege, and we accentuate that as well. And at the moment that the young man is called up to the Torah, his father actually makes a blessing. He makes a bracha, which is Baruch Shep Torani, Me'onesh Halazeh, that the father says, um, Blessed is God who has now exonerated me, who has redeemed me from and uh, allowed me off the hook from being responsible for everything to do with this young man. He is now walking on his own two feet from a spiritual point of view. He is now responsible for his own mitzvot. It's not my responsibility so much anymore. Of course, the responsibility of raising a teenager, um, I think many will agree, is much more difficult than raising a smaller child. And there is a lot more input and a lot more that one needs to do and focus on and think about. About in the life of a teenager from bar mitzvah up until their 1920, much more than any other time, I guess, in their lives. But here, from a spiritual point of view, he has to put on tefillin. Um, he is responsible for his own Shabbat observance, his kashrut, and so on. And it's an age and a time when the baton of spirituality, in a way, is passed to the young man in terms of himself and what he has to take upon himself and he has to fulfill. So the 
um, idea of an aliyah to the Torah is not the qualification of becoming a bar mitzvah. It is one of the ways that we celebrate. It's the one that we one of the ways that we accentuate the mitzvot um, that he takes upon himself at that time. For a girl, when it comes to the age of twelve, a young woman um, is uh, obligated in the mitzvot that pertain particularly to women. Women do not have the same responsibility for time-bound prayer, but women still need to pray. And the prayers that women say, while they may not be as fixed and time-bound as men, are all important. And a girl of that age needs to know how to daven. She needs to know how to pray. She needs to know how to uh, be involved in uh, the uh, shul service and what that is all about. She needs to know about the mitzvot that are incumbent upon a Jewish woman, um, which pertain a to, for instance, the baking of challah. Um, yes, uh, challah baking has been widely popularized as a a uh, time when we can say special prayers for uh, people, perhaps who are not well. We can um, herald the arrival, for instance, of the Shabbat project with a massive and beautiful challah bake. But the idea of a Jewish woman baking challah is filled with all the beautiful messages of what it means to have a Jewish home. What it means, I think that I'm right in saying that there is no finer and greater Jewish fragrance, a smell in a Jewish home, than the smell of challah on a Friday afternoon, a Friday evening that is baking in the oven. There is something so special about it, and it is something so um vast, huge, spiritual that a Jewish woman needs to understand and subscribe to and think about at the time of her bat mitzvah. Of course, there are all the other mitzvot that are incumbent upon women, which we're not um, necessarily going to deal with right now, but the idea of the role of Jewish women which we accentuate, by the way, over the parashiot that we're reading at the moment of our mothers of Sora, Rivka, Rochel, Valeya, without whom there would have been absolutely no real spirituality, real depth, real chen, uh, real glory within um, those Jewish homes as well as in all of ours had it not been for their righteousness and for their um, um, modesty and for their incredible, incredible images and messages that they sent to all of us. So the role of a Jewish woman in terms of a bat mitzvah similarly has to do with all of that, with the concepts of modesty. Now, it seems that we've kind of called things a little bit wrong when it comes to the celebrations of bar and bat mitzvahs or bar and benot mitzvahs, we like to say. And that is that we seem to believe that that is an opportunity for our kids to do a whole lot of things that they couldn't have done up until now. Um, for many, for in the girls' department, it's the first opportunity to um, dress a little bit um, uh, provocatively, and nothing could be further from the truth. It's the very moment at the time of a bat mitzvah for a woman to understand the sanctity of her body, the sanctity of her being, and therefore the modesty with which that should be brought out into the fore and that should be lived with and that should be uh, demonstrated. Um, the idea of um, at that moment, at that time, that a woman should uh, perhaps spend a lot more time focusing on um, for instance, sharing the Torah and things of holiness with other women rather than doing it in front of men where it could be deemed to be a little bit provocative and not necessarily correct. Um, these are all things that we seem to um, throw to the wind
wind. The caution is thrown to the wind and we get involved in uh, doing things just because everybody else does and just because it seems to be the way that it is commemorated and celebrated today. And similarly with a bar mitzvah, it is not all that much about the partying and the uh, um, the, uh, the 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 loudness and uh, the glorification of things that um, have really nothing to do with bar mitzvah and with the concept of the mitzvot and the Torah and so on and the sanctity, but rather we should focus much more on these holy, beautiful, everlasting principles rather than all the other stuff which um, is uh, at best window dressing and at the worst is sometimes the very antithesis of what it should be. be back with you after this. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. Yes, I'm sitting in the studio here with Tabo and it's uh, his choice of a very, very appropriate song there. We talk about Mamlechet Kohanim V'goy Kadosh, that we are supposed to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, a holy people. And of course, when it comes to our celebrations and it comes to all the things that we do in life, that surely should be our focus and the focus on what does it mean to be a mamlechet koanim? What does it mean to be a kingdom of priests? What does it mean to be a holy nation, a holy people? Is it not our obligation to set the tone differently to the way that everybody else would um, have their particular celebrations, the way that everybody else would um, go about their um, ways of doing things? We need to try, I guess, to focus a little bit more when it comes to our um, milestones in life on the real essence of what our particular occasions are really all about. What is a bar mitzvah really all about? It surely is putting under the spotlight the young man, of course, and lauding and praising all his wonderful attributes, his talents, his soul, um, his spiritual connection, but the things that he has to connect with. Um, and in the run-up to the bar mitzvah, um, surely the pur- purchase of fine tefillin, um, beautiful tefillin that he's going to use for the rest of his life, is far more important than spending um, an equal amount or certainly probably a lot more on the party, on the function, on the pub, on the bar, on the disco, on all the other things that um, we um, need to and we want to spend money on. But when, when it comes to the tefillin, we usually find that people um, regard it as being a little expensive. Um, that cannot um, nearly take the same pride of place as the, all the other so-called necessities. We should be adjusting our sights a little bit and remember that this is about a bar mitzvah. This is not just an ordinary birthday party. This is not just a uh, milestone in a kid's life where he is graduating from school. Um, And on the contrary, this is a graduation into a way of life that is going to last him for the rest of his life. And we need to make sure that the building blocks, the foundations of it, are set up in such a way um, that is so much more meaningful um, for the young man. And, of course, when it comes to a girl for her bat mitzvah, um, equally so. So the way that um, bar and bat mitzvahs um, should be um, celebrated, of course, is with some 
deep thought and some great spirituality. And, of course, it is only when it comes to a bar mitzvah that there is a public shul service that takes place. When it, um, when we think about it in terms of a bat mitzvah being that all the rules of modesty um, suddenly start to apply. I know that there are many who find it difficult to get their heads around this one, but um, since all of those rules now start to apply, it's an occasion for a woman to really live through and think about um, all of those things and not in any way to feel uh, belittled or um, outdone or uh, neglected or underdone in any way, but on the contrary, to Lord praise, magnify and glorify all the wonderful things that uh, women stand for and that women should be involved with um, in a um, safe, kosher, beautiful, incredible environment. Um, is that not really what these occasions call for? So the idea of turning 13 should be magnified by the putting on tefillin. The idea of turning 13 for a young man, magnified and praised by his aliyah to the Torah. Bring the young man to shul and let him count for a minion and let everybody recognize just how important, how beautiful it is that he can count for a minion, that in his presence, Kaddish can be said, that because he's there, Kedushab can be said, Baruch Hu can be recited, that um, since he is now part of the Jewish community, he can go onto the shul's list for those who can help with making a minion for Shachrit, the Mincha, and Mairev. And if it's not for all of them, well, Shachrit, usually very often uh, the kids are doing at school, hopefully in uh, in the schools that there is a Shachrit service that he would attend. But for Mincha and Mairev, um in the afternoon, surely he can be put on the list in order to help with the minion in his local uh, chapter, in his local community, in his local shul. And a young woman, a young girl, to play a more active role perhaps in uh, assisting in the community with the women's programs, the ladies' programs, or the girls' programs, with the high school events, with the high school programs and so on. Keeping a, a an active role within the community, a bar and bat mitzvah is not a graduation out of the community and that um, from the time of bar mitzvah until the time that uh, the uh, they come back as a chosan and kala that you uh, feel that we're kind of, they're kind of absent um, because either they're going to say that there's nothing that that is on offer for them in shul. We've got to remember that um, shul and uh, community environment is really what they have just um, pledged their uh, loyalty to by becoming Byron Bat Mitzvah. We are now fully fledged members of this community. We can now be counted to the minion. We can now have Ali an Aliyah to the Torah as a man. We can now be part of the women's functions within the community. All of those things are um, exactly what we should be encouraging that our young men and women subscribe to and uh, come around for from the moment of Bar Mitzvah onwards. Be back with you right after this. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elova. As we mentioned right at the beginning, tonight, tomorrow, tomorrow night and the next day is Rosh Chodesh. As we um, really now head into Rosh Chodesh of Kislev, of the month of Kislev, we should be focusing, I guess, on the fact that, as we mentioned, this is the month of light. It is the month of miracles. It is a beautiful, incredible, powerful month that we are now heading into. And a semblance of it takes place and is with us on Rosh Chodesh from tonight and through till um, going into Shabbat. We have um, these days of Rosh Chodesh, the beginning of a, of a new month. But the beginning of a new month is always like a new lease on life. It is a new opportunity, a new opportunity to um, 
put aside, put behind us what has happened, not to dwell too much on the negative um, that may have been, and now to really turn around, face the future with um, a brand new vision, a brand new view, a, a golden um, opportunity to really look at this new month in the light with with which it is really colored and with which it is painted. And this idea of now moving forward into this brand new month of Kislev is something that is so important and so powerful and um, so right and so correct, particularly being that we have an extra day of the month of Cheshwan, another day of Rosh Chodesh. We have a double Rosh Chodesh Kislev, really, because very often it is only the one day, the first of Kislev. Now we've got the 30th of Cheshwan and the first of Kislev, a double time of Rosh Chodesh. To understand how important the cycle of Jewish life is, to understand how important the brand new lease on life is, to understand how important it is to go into a new phase not to be mired in the past and in all the difficulties that it may have held for us, but to really look forward to a brand new, bright, sparkling, miraculous and beautiful month. So I want to wish you a great um, week up ahead, the rest of the week, a great Shabbat up ahead. And, of course, a Chodesh Tov, a good Chodesh for tonight, tomorrow, tomorrow night and the next day. And please, God, your life in this month, as in all the months that follow thereafter, should be filled with miracles, should be filled with light, should be filled with all the good, powerful and wonderful things that you wish for yourselves. A Chodesh Tov, a good Chodesh, Shabbat Shalom um, for the coming Shabbos. Take care. Look forward to being back with you again next week, same time, same place on Judaism 101.9.